We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Time for another Road of His Overtime Dynasty Reanimators episode. Looking forward to this one, Sean. We have lots of different things to discuss. We're going to discuss a trade offer that has come in for our team that we're going to dive into. We had a couple of back and forths, and we have one standing order available at the moment that we're going to talk through today to see if we uh, go with it, if we counter, or if we accept it, Sean. So looking forward to doing that. We're also going to talk through something that I think is very interesting is the dynasty value of players versus what is available now in let's say best ball mania underdog adp or best ball adp in general or what we're looking at for redraft adp moving forward so the difference in trying to acquire some of those guys versus their value and either dynasty or redraft and how to play that out so i'm really looking forward to this one sean third show of the week we had two awesome shows earlier this week king cap on on both of those we did a, a zero rb draft over at we did a zero rb best ball mania four draft and then we also talked to him about his experiences last year winning the regular season with a zero RB roster and then also what he thinks can be learned from 2022 to implement into 2023 if you're trying to win some huge prizes. So Sean, fun week all in. How are you doing as we, we get ready to kick this off? I know it's been a busy week for you. You've done a lot of podcasts this week, Pros versus Joes, along with Ben Gretsch. You also have done the best ball banana stand with Pete Overzet. So you have been uh, spending a lot of your life in, in these stream yard conversations over the, the last few days. And I love it. I love it. It's been so much fun chatting with all of you guys and uh, you know, bantering, learning from the best minds in fantasy football. And just, again, one of the things that Cap said that was just so cool is, you know, sort of the the great fortune that we have to be living in 2023 and playing fantasy football. So much gratitude for that. Colin, today we're going to look at Dynasty. We're going to be back into our Dynasty reanimators hats, and we're going to try and reanimate our team. We're going to try and reanimate a few of these listener teams. The process is just so much fun and we're moving into training camp which means we're going to have a lot more volume of trade offers we're going to have more player movement you're going to have guys who are rising guys who are falling dynasty managers who are trying to sort of restructure their portfolios to make sure they're set and ready to go for the season one of the best times of the year this is the best time of the year for dynasty i think outside of 
that week right around the NFL draft, we received an offer of a first round pick. And in RV Triflex leagues, these first round picks are so valuable for all of the obvious reasons. And then for the additional reason that it helps you move some of your team's value into a category that isn't impacted by the various cutdowns. So we're going to try and get down 20 players. One of the ways that you can do that, obviously, is offload players for picks, and those picks will stay with you going forward. So when you get an offer that includes a first-round pick, you always have to be very serious about that, even if the offer seems pretty aggressive. Now, this was an offer that wanted a lot back. It was asking for both Jerry Judy and DeAndre Hopkins. That turned out to be a little bit above kind of <laughs> where our taste was on these guys. I have Jerry Judy ranked as the wide receiver 14 at the 310 in terms of super flex dynasty startup value. I'll probably move that down slightly because it does look like he could get squeezed in this 2023 Denver Broncos offense. And yet Judy is one of these guys where you can pick him up now. Maybe you can pick him up at a little bit of a discount and I mean, he's got a long run yet before he's going to be at that point where you need to move him because the trade just value is going to start to fall off. He just turned 24. So you think about next year, if the situation is dramatically improved, which I think almost regardless of the way this year goes, his situation will be improved next year. Now, if he has a bad year, he's going to drop in price. And so it's not to say that even if he has a bad year, he's going to retain all of his value. We want to make sure that we know what the difference is there. But Judy, an interesting guy. DeAndre Hopkins is interesting. I have him at wide receiver 34 in round seven. He kind of sandwiched between Michael Pittman and Rashad Bateman, both of whom you know, have some pretty serious red flags for the season. Hopkins is one of these guys where when you're looking at him in a startup, there's a pretty severe trade-off. To where, I mean, he could be one of the guys. You think about what happened in 2022. And a lot of these veteran receivers paid off handsomely and they won leagues. And you look at the teams that won last season in Dynasty, and a lot of them don't really look like elite Dynasty rosters. And that can create some frustration for participants who maybe had younger teams. You know, you start to rethink what you're doing. We want to encourage people not to do that. You want to build these really deep, strong teams. Probably Hopkins doesn't exactly fit that if you can move him. But if Judy was well above the level we would pay for a first-round pick, obviously throwing in Hopkins as well wouldn't work. We countered with Hopkins for that round one, kind of explaining where our value was on it and where we also place a random first-round pick into a startup draft. Colm, what kind of feedback did we get? Yeah, so I think obviously you mentioned the term so far. We started off with something, and I, I think Sean – league to league i think we're higher on judy than a lot of people and i think people may be a little bit down on hopkins lanton and tennessee depending on who that manager is so i can see that first offer making sense before it is sent i didn't think it was egregious but in terms of what we're valuing those players at it was a long way off so when we go back with the the hopkins offer for the first rounder and that's something that again depending on how they're trying to structure that data it might seem like we're going in low there but i think that's pretty fair from a, a counterpoint we get an offer back sean which flips it around i sent to you this is a little bit interesting they've come in offering the first round pick to us for the player but their counter offer back to us then is for us to move our 2024 first to pick up debo samuel 
So I think that how that would fit in line with our roster, for example, how things would pair from even the, the future picks, how we would cut down players potentially moving forward. Debo Samuel for a first shot, I find very, very interesting. And I think it's something that with that offer, we have to seriously consider it. It comes into then, you know, the conversations we have about, you know, trying to, to gather those picks, trying to have the extra picks on the roster. But there are certain players then that are, are worth putting those picks up for. So we would still be finding ourselves in a situation where we're going to have to cut <laughs> cut down and we're also going to be adding additional an additional name, obviously, onto that roster while losing that pick. So all that going into consideration. We currently have 25 players. We talked about this on last week's show about the players that we might have to you know, potentially cut when it comes to that pre-week one cut down to 20 players. This will be adding another name to that list. We currently don't have a 2024 second round pick, so that would leave us if we trade this first round pick with a third, three-fourths, a fifth, and a seventh. So we have no second round pick either. Currently, though, Sean, on our roster, if we look just at the, the wide receiver position, it's DeAndre Hopkins, Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson, George Pickens, Jamison Williams, Justin Ross, Quentin Johnson, Rondell Moore there as well. So a really strong core. The decision then is, is adding Debo Samuel to that core, the right decision. We also have options to you know potentially move Hopkins, Judy, Pickens moving forward as well. So it, it really has a lot of different elements to play. And it, what would be the first element that, that you're looking at here on the decision? Is it straight up, is this... A good value for the player is it what we would give up or is it how does this fit into the roster for this season and beyond that's a really good way to frame it so we're thinking about first of all the value in a vacuum secondly how it fits our particular roster from a win now perspective third we're thinking about it from the perpetual reloading type of perspective and where we would be with those future picks and we're looking at the possibility of if the value is significant enough do we make that move and then try and get the pick value back in other ways now it's always a little bit risky to think about from that perspective because you can never guarantee that those future trades will materialize even if you make really strong offers now a lot of people will think about this from the perspective of i'll make a move and i'll make subsequent moves but their subsequent offers are all bad and then they're frustrated that they can't <laughs> get any player movement you're gonna have to make realistic offers even in that case you don't always have trades come to fruition so you want to keep the risk in the back of your mind that you'll be stuck with this roster but because we have such a well-rounded roster we have three elite or potentially elite tight ends that's extremely important in the tight end premium version we have two veteran qbs who should be good for a while and then the huge wild card qb in sam howell if your roster is already broken and you have a position that's going to be very difficult to fill it doesn't mean you're going to tank the season but you want to be very very careful about how you give up those future picks because you could be forced into future trades where the value is very much not in your favor as you try and fill your roster up you don't ever want to get into that position 
The trick can be that sometimes you tell yourself, well, I don't have that as an issue, so I can go ahead and make this trade, but then it limits your options because you don't have those picks. But we kind of go back and we look at it in a vacuum, and I have Debo Samuel ranked as the wide receiver 21 as the 412. That contrasts with his dynasty ADP in the TriFlex format where he is going as the wide receiver 25 at the 605. So if you have sort of a round and a half difference there in how you're valuing the player, that can be a big deal when you're looking at making that move. You're getting some excess value back in relation to what a trade calculator is going to tell you is the true value on the players there. The other question that you're wanting to ask yourself is, where would you put a random first round pick within the context of this year's startup? Now, one of the things that's kind of interesting here is that depending on how trendy the next year's rookie draft is. You can get those future firsts valued anywhere from the four or five turn to you know, somewhere in the eighth round. And I always find myself conflicted on this in that it's extremely important to get those rookie picks. The upside when they hit is absolutely massive. You can tell yourself a story that, okay, I'm trading for actually the 110 or 111, and that makes it less valuable, except we know that the future is going to have a lot of chaos, and these teams can have a couple that are guys hit, and suddenly they're in the backdrop, right? So you want to understand just how much randomness can come into play when you're trading for one of the future picks, especially in a format where you have 20 guys instead of 30. If you've got those extra 10 you know, very deep, strong players, a person's roster can't fall apart in quite the same way so we have all those calculations going on in the back of our heads but Colin when I'm thinking about where these picks slot in the true value is going to usually be more in that eighth or ninth round range if you're approaching it from the right perspective because even as dynasty drafters get a lot savvier ADP is still broken in where wide receivers are going to go so your eighth round pick is going to be a lot more valuable than the random eighth round pick you want to keep that in mind as you're pursuing it so we have that as the framework we have that as the context how are you looking at samuel when you have a 27 year old we talk about you need to be able to play a player for two years and then trade them at their peak you can't really do that for Samuel. And so my ranking on him is pretty aggressive. But when you look at the rankings there, I have him ranked one spot ahead of Stefan Diggs, who in terms of ADP is going as the wide receiver 15 at the 403. So it's kind of the inverse there. And Diggs is somebody you definitely are not going to be able to play for two years and then move. But Samuel could do the, the flip of that where he could be a top five wide receiver for two years and then be in the general age range that Diggs is now and we see that the general age range that Diggs is in right now is moving him to wide receiver 15 so those are our considerations what are your thoughts in terms of accepting in terms of countering where are we here so you mentioned Debo 27 years old I was actually you know looking at your rankings I wasn't expecting him to probably be as high as he was but then when you go through the rest of the list of the players that go beyond wide receiver 21 you start to get into 
a lot more question marks around players in terms of Sean of veteran wide receivers. I'd say the Cooper Cup is wide receiver 13, Tyreek Hill is wide receiver 12. Then you have Chris Godwin, wide receiver 20. Debo is the highest of those veteran, that veteran tier. And I think he's in that zone where there's a very, very limited window where you could do what you you just said, have him for two years and still move him. But you are kind of playing with fire when it gets to that point. Debo almost feels like a player that you want on the roster if you're really going for it this season. Um, and then it, basically what you're trying to do at that point is get him for this season rather than having to wait for next year's pick hoping he has the season that you want him to have to help you win a championship and then be able to move him next year so it might you know it's even a shorter window i think that you would have with him he will his birth january 15th so it will be 28 early next year pre-super bowl um and i think obviously his value is going to deteriorate even if he has a good season i still think he's going to continue to move down the draft board here so it's kind of like you're you're trying to turn that pick into a player for a one-year rental and then try and cash back out and really what you would need to do in your scenario is that you're cashing back out for a late first early second round pick which is going to put him into an eighth or ninth round value so the the, the move in is a good value at this current moment in time the move out is i think going to be where where we lose out if we were to acquire him so i think based on the roster we have i would be kind of thinking with that first round pick if we were planning to give it up you know looking at some of the potential options going in that range but then when you look at the options that are going in that range we we have george pickens on the roster but you're in the chris godwin dk metcalf Diggs. then you're getting into dotson Ayuk, addison i, I would much rather have samuel than Ayuk, who is going you know as as one of the next options there and as much as i like, I like dotson he's <laughs> He's somebody who is probably a second round with something thrown in rather than a first round pick. So I think this is one that is really on the edge. And I, I think this is one that, Sean, you could nearly push me one direction and another whether we accept it. I, I At the moment, I'd be on the, the decline side of things. The other element is, you know, I, I don't really see that if we acquire him now that we move him before the NFL season. Um, I think it's somebody who if you're giving up that first round pick for you're probably not going to get more than a first back so I think that you're you're holding him at least through this season we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The last point is a good one where if you make a move for a player, it's hard to flip them immediately for more value because nobody wants to be the guy who didn't get enough. And so you kind of anchor the price, at least in your own league, and at least in terms of what you can get. Maybe Or, or you could get a player who's in their second, going into second year or third year, and the buzz comes with it that you know hypes it up, that he increases in value a certain amount, and you take that small one before the season. But with Samuel... Uh, Kyle Shanahan's talking about how many pictures he's been getting sent by Debo and how good a shape he's in but I, I don't see Debo's Samuel's value increasing that much between now and the start of the season even with positive reports right I don't think that that part of it will move the needle too much I do think that there's a possibility that what we've seen with the wide receiver avalanche will continue to leak into everything which so you could argue that want, it should. People won't want to miss out. Is what you're saying, and they're they're going to they're going to pay those increased prices. I guess this fits in a bit to the question that we're talking about with uh, a listener submitted question that came in, Sean. I'll, I'll pitch the question now because it might fit from this perspective. But it's about dynasty value versus redraft or best ball if you're trying to perpetually reload your roster. And his question was around somebody like an AJ Brown who's going before somebody like Yard Wilson. Uh, at the moment, based on ADP and underdog or in best ball, uh, how much should you be adding to somebody like AJ Brown to try and get a Garrett Wilson in Dynasty? He mentions that Sean is him as the wide receiver three, but is it worth giving up more assets to move from, say, the wide receiver six to the wide receiver three? So again, we're talking here, though, about how other formats may impact Dynasty and player values this season and beyond. So I think it's a good time to pair it in you think that people wanting to get those avalanches want like the part that'll be interesting for me is although baseball has exploded in popularity it's still a small segment of people playing fantasy sports or fantasy football so then when we look at another website or people playing dynasty there there is overlap but the overlap isn't as much as we think you know it's not like if you have a venn diagram you're looking at the two portions i think you know it's a much smaller portion that are meeting in the middle than than we would think Right, but I, I think that you do have a lot of contamination across formats with ADP and with how people think about players. And so if we get Debo Samuel moving from the back end of the third round in best ball and maybe even the 3-4 turn in redraft, where at least to this point, and depending on what your scoring format is, what your starting lineup requirements are, all of those kinds of things, you might have him slide into the early fourth in a redraft. If the pressure to take receivers pulls him into the mid-third or to the beginning of the third, which it's hard for me to understand where why he's valued where he is because the talent level there, and again, we saw this just in such a clear and dynamic fashion in 2021 
And you look at Samuel, it's not a flash in the pan kind of thing. When he's been healthy, even stretching back to his rookie season, I mean, he is this Christian McCaffrey-esque type of player. He is a plus route runner. When the ball is in his hands, he's unstoppable. You have the normal kind of volume plus efficiency season that you get from a star. And then on top of that, you have the potential for individual seasons where you get these long touchdown spikes. Now you can argue that we already kind of got that in 2021. That's probably the one that you get in his career, but it speaks to the overall talent there. And once you're now in an offense that doesn't have this looming threat of the mobile quarterback to just siphon so many total plays away. I mean, the price on Debo is a little bit strange. The biggest reason for that, I think, is just that you can play the 49ers through some mildly cheaper options that are also exciting. So a lot of people will just wait to do that. But if you get him pulled up in other formats, it is going to put pressure also on his dynasty overall value. So you could benefit from that. You mentioned that you can move him for a player instead of a pick. You can just get younger there. One of the things that I think is kind of a fun way to think about it and definitely leans into the reanimator perspective, definitely leans into the perpetual reloading perspective is that you can do something that is psychologically very difficult, which is that you can acquire him right now. You can have the best team in week 12, week 13, as you're heading toward that trade deadline. And Colin, if we added Debo Samuel and we ended up not having the best team if we have kind of normal injury luck, if we have bad injury luck, it's going to be very difficult. You just don't have the roster depth to manage that. I mean, if you have a short bench and a big starting lineup, which is awesome. I mean, it's awesome, right? It's a great format, but it does create an environment where if you have bad injury luck, it's going to be a problem. If you have normal injury luck or certainly good injury luck, I mean, I think that we have the best team. Now, you're going to be biased in favor of your guys and the guys you put on the team. And so you're probably a little bit higher than is completely objectively the case. But if you have the best team and you're heading toward the trade deadline and there is another contender where if they were to take Samuel from you, it would suddenly flip. And instead of you having the best team, they have the best team. And they're willing to offer you a young player who is not quite hitting yet. And so you think about guys who would have fit that mold last year. I mean, Pickens was good, but was he demanding the type of volume that made him a clear-cut starter and impact player as you go into the fantasy playoffs? Not really. I mean, Jahan Dotson has scored all these touchdowns, but again, wasn't commanding the overall volume. He's got some injury concerns. I mean, is he going to be a guy that you want to start and play in the fantasy playoffs if you've got the best team? Probably not. If you are willing to pull the trigger for Debo Samuel, one of those guys, and a future first. Now, part of the problem with the future first is that at that point, it is sort of locked into being one of the late in the first round picks. But it's also a reason why that manager is more likely to be willing to give it away. Because they also are saying, this is almost like a second round pick. What's the big deal? If you have the guts to do that, and we talk all the time about how getting the buy making it to the semis and then letting the randomness kind of play out. You still obviously want to win. And there is going to be a little bit of a difference if your projected point total in the semis and the finals drops a tad bit because you've made this move. But that's a way that you can kind of have your cake and eat it too. You get the player for most of the season. You put yourself into that good situation. You benefit from the rise in his price because he's had a good year. 
and then you move him to somebody who has a lot of incentive to overpay you. How often is that exact scenario going to play out? You know, maybe not a ton, but it's something to consider, right? If you have a good player, in this case, if you have a star, those are the types of things that you want to think about as possibilities down the line. So there are a lot of different things you can do if you have a Debo Samuel, even if you have like a Stefan Diggs, old guys, but guys who are that good that when you're going at the, to the playoffs, when you're fighting for the title, people do want those guys. Yeah, that's all very true. But we also have to think of it from the perspective of like, you know, it doesn't work out that way and he has a bad season and his price starts to go down and people say, oh, this guy's getting close to 30 years old now and, you know, nobody wants him. I, I think we're more likely to, to find somewhere in the positive ground, maybe not to the 99th percentile, but somewhere around the 75% of outcomes. But Sean, the big question then comes down to we don't have to make this specific move to have our lineup impacted now in July, but he, he certainly is somebody who immediately would go into our lineup, even with the wide receivers that I mentioned. You know, you're, you're looking then into the Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson. Uh, I think he really slots in at that point into the lineup at wide receiver and probably then into DeAndre Hopkins. So is that going to factor into some of the decision making here? It does. And as you mentioned there, if you have a Jefferson, if you have then a Hopkins and a Samuel around them, you've got that great foundation. You have Jerry Judy with a pretty wide range of outcomes. But again, you're looking at him as a borderline foundation player. And then suddenly that last spot can be filled by George Pickens, Quentin Johnston, or Jamison Williams, the best of the three players. That's the best case scenario. That's if all of the guys stay healthy. But if one of them gets hurt, you're still looking at two options there. If we go with our current lineup, and you have an injury, then you're starting to get down to the point where you might have to play a guy who isn't performing that well yet. That's sort of the case with most teams, with most dynasty lineups. You're going to have to start some players from time to time that have some questions. But when we're talking about building a dynasty, trying to push it to the very top of the league, if you get that locked in you know, five wide receiver starting lineup with other additional flex options from your tight end position, then I mean, you could offset if our quarterbacks are a little bit disappointing. We hope that they're not, but there is some question with Tua's health, with Stafford's ceiling, with what Howell will do. You can maybe offset if you have some weeks where Kenneth Walker or DeAndre Swift don't play. So it just gives you so much firepower and so much optionality there in the starting lineup. Colin, we're going to discuss this A.J. Brown, Garrett Wilson question. It's such a fascinating question. But the thing I wanted to suggest to you was that a possibility for a counter would be to instead of giving up that first round pick, we could also look at moving Jamison Williams. Would our opposing manager be interested in that? Now, the tricky part is that I do still actually have Jamison Williams as being worth more than a first round pick as well. And so, you know, purely when we look at value, maybe you just prefer to get rid of that first round pick. I have Williams in there at wide receiver 26. That's the 509. Again, we said, I mean, probably more the eighth round is where the true value would be. But we're going to have a little bit of a roster log jam. Williams is not going to play, and he's not going to be eligible for IR under the FFPC rules. So you just have a dead spot there for the six weeks. We also now have more injury notes about him. 
when I update the dynasty rankings in the next couple of days, I'll probably need to move him down at least slightly. The person we're working with is going to be aware of that information as well. So his value is going to be declining some. But when you look at startup value over the last 17 triflex drafts, you have Williams coming in there at wide receiver 24 at the 602. Samuel, again, wide receiver 25 at the 605. So Williams has been going ahead of Samuel. Even if you move him down a little bit with this newest news, it's kind of a wash what are your thoughts on making a move where, I mean, do we want to give up on him without ever seeing him play? Probably no, but in terms of managing the roster, maybe there are some benefits. Yeah, that's going to make it a bit tricky. Obviously, we have to see what the opposing manager would want to do there, but you would also be kind of, you keep your pick for next year, but you would gain a player basically for those opening six weeks and the rest of the season. So, there is a lot of reasons why you might do that, but you're looking at a player who's entering a second season, having not played much in that opening year, but had some real flashes, and we, we know what he did in college. So coming off that injury, that's the reason, obviously, he missed most of last year, but he's going to miss a good chunk of this year due to the, the suspension as well. So that is very interesting, Sean, but I think what we're going to have to do is this is a to-be-continued trade discussion, I think, that we'll have to be opened up on a, an episode next week and we'll have to let the listeners know what we decided to do at the end because there's more discussion to be had here it feels like rather than uh, wrapping it up here and making a decision so i'm looking forward to continuing that offline we'll come back with an update on that but sean the question then to finish it off is around you know aj brown and the the, the example is aj brown and, and gareth wilson what are your thoughts though on like really pain up we've talked about this at quarterback you know we get a lot of questions about moving from a quarterback in tier two up to tier one and how much you have to pay to do that we haven't really talked about it a huge amount at the wide receiver position is that something that you're you're looking to do for example the roster we have has justin jefferson but you know how much are people going to give up in that scenario which is even more than you would if you give up to get a a gareth gareth wilson what are you, what's your thoughts there so with Wilson versus A.J. Brown, it's really interesting. I have Wilson as the overall wide receiver three just ahead of C.D. Lamb. I have those guys, in again, in Superflex, where the vast majority of players ahead of them are the QBs. I have Wilson at the 112, Lamb at the 201, and then A.J. Brown at the 206. So you're talking about the wide receiver three and the wide receiver six, and it's a case where the wide receiver six is maybe – the best player at that position in all of football. His efficiency is through the roof. The big score potential is elite. The touchdown upside is at the very top of the NFL. With Garrett Wilson, we had the opposite, where the efficiency on a per-target basis was fairly poor, in part because the quarterback play was atrocious. So you're working through in your mind what those trade-offs are and how comfortable you are with Wilson. You even think about something like last year, for example, where the rate at which you get the next step for guys who were rookie stars is extremely high. When you compare individual like breakout co cohorts, the rookie breakout group is the best going forward and, and that's intuitive right but you you do want to keep in mind things like what happened last year with a kyle pitts where the volume the target volume and those types of things actually was exactly what the thesis was 
but the play volume and how the offense worked not only neutralized it but killed it especially because Pitts himself was not efficient on top of that you don't necessarily want to overpay obviously for the next Kyle Pitts but again that's a pretty unique scenario that is unlikely here but you do want to factor it in you don't want to get so locked into the idea that Garrett Wilson is going to be the next Jefferson and Chase that you're not thinking about the downside but the main thing that you're trying to do is that even though AJ Brown is so good you are buying three or four years there of peak play and a lot of people are going to push back and say I mean you want AJ Brown at 26 years of age the number of years that Brown can play at a really high level are easily enough to swamp other considerations. And I think that's true. And yet you think about Debo Samuel, who is just a year older, and how we're already into this mindset of maybe Debo's value plummets. So that would be the reason for my rankings. When we look at where they're actually valued in these startups, they're right next to each other, where Garrett Wilson's the wide receiver four at the 203, AJ Brown, the wide receiver five at the 204. When the values are that close, and when you have an asset like an AJ Brown, if you have one specific player that you feel like you have to get to, that you only have one manager in that league who has the guy. So you, you have to work with what they want to do. And yet I would be very leery about overpaying at any given moment when things can change a little bit it might be a situation too where maybe there's a different league where you can make a move that would work the other thing that you can do here that i really like is to structure the trade where there is a bench player on the opponent's team who you love and you have him ranked way ahead of adp and you have a bench player on your own team where you're more or less at market and if you make that kind of move where you're actually offering a little bit of surplus value but in your own rankings it works for you you make that offer i mean those are the kinds of things that you can do to make your rankings work for you and to make these trades very possible right you have to do something to grease the wheels you want that something to also be beneficial i mean there are even cases where i've argued that you can take two guys at the very top of drafts that you're sort of agnostic on you you have the same ranking and you can make a trade that looks like a high profile trade but it's really all about the guys on the bench maybe it's a three for three where you get two guys off the other person's bench where you just you love them and so you want to make that move those are some things you can do to not lose out as you're trying to build the team in the image that you want which is by your structural preferences and with your preferred player archetype so that's the way that i would look at doing that as you're trying to get a garrett wilson onto your own roster yeah i think you made it's not the same point but you summarized all that perfectly but i think rather than look to move from you know wide receiver six to wide receiver three you touched on the value of some of those players that other people may be almost like ready to cast aside not really want maybe aren't as interested in that question coming from jd and for example on jd's roster some of the wide receivers he has one of them is for example elijah moore who sean has talked a lot about this year but there's i think there's far more to be gained from the players who are at that lower value who can really skyrocket in value than the the little 
Sean mentioned being agnostic, the gap not being that huge versus which one you have. And if you have multiple dynasty leagues, you're kind of trying to acquire them across those places. But I think trying to get those secondary options that Sean mentioned, I think there's where there's a, a lot to be gained. And we talked through a little bit on the trade that we received firstly for Hopkins and Judy. There will be some people who value both of those combined at a, a first round pick, but that isn't us in this case. But there may be another league where somebody is out on a player like maybe jerry judy maybe they're spooked that he will get squeezed out a little bit more than sean mentioned at the start of the show maybe they're willing to to move him at a price that you think based on your rankings is, is very much beneficial to add in so some things to consider but a, a fun conversation sean as we went through there we'll have to talk more about what we do with this Debo samuel trade ourselves but thanks to jd for sending in that question my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter add over to marlin my co-host as always is sean siegel Check out Sean's work up at rotaviz.com. If you want to sign up and get 10% off, you can use the code RVRADIO2023 at checkout. Sean mentioned previously that those prices are going to go up, Sean, I believe, listening to yourself and Pete. They are going up in the very near future. Is that correct? They are. Jump in now. We're going to have I mean, still plenty of, of great things for the listeners. It's still going to be the best here. value in fantasy football, but it's just going to be a well, lot I don't know if we can say that, but we like the value. It's, it's going to be a good value. So you can, you'll still be able to use the code, but get in now, get that discount as well, and save yourself a little before it jumps up. That is RV Radio 2023. The website is roadviz.com. And until we are back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.